Well, if you've got your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to Jeremiah, chapter 17 again, the chapter that we're looking at on a Sunday morning. We're going to read the first 14 verses. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With the point of a diamond it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of your altars. While the children remember their altars and their wooden images by the green trees on the high hills. O my mountain in the field, I will give as plunder to your wealth all your treasures and your high places of sin within all your borders. And you even yourself shall let go of your heritage which I gave you. And I will cause you to serve your enemies in the land which you do not know. For you have kindled a fire in my anger which shall burn forever. Thus saith the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. But his leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. As a partridge that broods but does not hatch, so he who gets riches but not by right, it shall leave him in the midst of his days, and at his end he will be a fool. A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my praise. And I'm sure the Lord will bless uh, that portion of his truth to us. Now, it wasn't your last Sunday morning, as you can remember. But if you can cast your minds back a few weeks, you will remember that we are looking at this glaring contrast between a man whose trust is in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, as opposed to the man who trusts in the flesh and whose heart has turned away from the Lord. The one he likens to a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, whose leaf is green and whose fruit never fails. Whereas the other he likens to a dried up old shrub dying in the desert. So we've got two options, we've got a choice. We can either be a leafy tree with luscious fruit, In the sight of God. Or we can be a dried up shrub. That has no life. Or hope in it. At all. Now the latter. Is how Jeremiah saw the attitude. Of Judah. The people of God. You know and we saw how deeply. 
their sins were ingrained upon their hearts and upon the horns of the, of the altars. Sin that destroyed the individual and sin that separated them from God. That sin could only be dealt with through the shedding of the blood of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Nothing else we saw last time could ever in any way deal with the sin that you and I have committed. You know, the etched marks of sin upon us is so deep. The etched marks upon God's altar is so deep. It's only the blood of Christ that can affect a healing in our spirits, in our hearts, in our minds, and in our relationship with God. We get nowhere without the blood of Christ. Nowhere at all. But with the precious blood of Christ, we are cleansed, and clean, and fresh, and acceptable before God. It's that precious blood that makes the difference in our lives. Nothing else... Nothing else. We can be as good as saints. We can be wonderful. We can be as benevolent as anyone who was given anything. It's only the blood of Christ that can satisfy God's righteousness on our behalf. Now, when we come to these verses, from verses 11 to 14, I'm going to read them again. They might sound a little strange at first, but perhaps as we go along, they'll become a little bit more clear. As a partridge that broods but does not hatch, so is he who gets riches, but not by right. It will leave him in the midst of his days, and at his end he will be a fool. A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel. All who forsake you shall be ashamed. Ashamed, Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Now, they are the verses that we're looking at this morning. You know, and here we can see Jeremiah continuing to hammer out the contrast between these two groups of people. The one that are trusting in God, and the one that they're trusting in themselves. You know, and he gives us here two word pictures, two sort of paintings that we can look at uh, that adequately describe the shrub on the one hand and the tree on the other. You know, it seems to me that Jeremiah sees this contrast as the main reason for the coming doom that is about to come on the nation of Israel. And therefore, he makes it a matter of urgency. He's been talking about this now since verse 1. This contrast. Here is Judah. And they have turned their backs on God. They have dealt sinfully and idolatrously uh, before God. And their sin is glaring. And yet... There is the opportunity to be in relationship with him. So this uh, contrast between these two groups of people is a glaring one and he makes it a matter of urgency. You know, and that's what I like about the Old Testament prophets and that is their urgency. Their urgency when they were about the Lord's work. They knew that adhering to God's word was their only hope. 
and therefore it was with great passion and consistency and persistence that these prophets broached the precarious situations that they found themselves in. This was no come day go day type of thing. You know, this or oh, take it or leave it type of thing. None of the prophets were like that. You know, today we, we get people who write a blog on the on the on the computer. You know, and they just write it because they got time. They write it because it'll make them give them followers. They write it because it'll make them famous and give them some kind of celebrity. That's not what Jeremiah was doing. Jeremiah was warning his fellow countrymen. You know, and that's what Christians are here to do. We are here to warn people. You know, we're not here to curry favor with people. We're not here to become famous or to become rich or to become a celebrity. We as Christians have a message to bring to the world. And it's a warning message. You know, and if we take a leaf out of the, 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 the prophet's book, where they always deal urgently with their situation, there's a great warning. You want to ask yourself, ask ourselves a question: Has the situation changed? Is it different today? Are we in a place where our ministry is just about enjoying ourselves and whiling away the time? I think not. It's still serious. You know what we are doing here on a Sunday morning is a serious business. You know, in fact. Times are even more precarious now for the believer and the unbeliever. You know, there is more to attract in the world. Things that will take us away from following hard after God. The battle is now more intense than it it ever has been. You know, it seems to me that Satan is having his last fling. And his eyes are on those who would display a weakness in following the Lord. Those that have dropped off a little, those who are not so constant, not so closely involved with God, are not so closely involved in the service of the Lord. You know, we know, don't we, from our uh, television programs that the lion will always look for the straggler. He'll always look for the one that has lost touch with the main herd. You know, when he chooses his prey, and when he sees this one limping, or he sees this one who has wandered off on his own, then that's the one that he will go after. You know, and as Christians, it behoves us, each and every one of us, that we remain healthy in the Lord, that we remain a part of the, a fellowship in the Lord, because when we wander off on our own, or when we fail to uh, avail ourselves of all the, the goodness that God has given to us, then we become easy prey for Satan. He can pick us off, because we have no strength, you know, and we have no fellowship, and we have no joy. That's how the the lion would work. And that's how Satan works. Those who are not so constant. Those who are not so closely involved. That's how the lion works. He removes people from the safety of numbers. You know when Jesus warns us that in the last times, and that is today, we're in the last days of this whole earth. You know when the last times, this will become the case. There will be false prophets who will come and tell us stupid things that we will believe. 
There will be false Christs who will make claims that people will believe. There will be false teachers. There will be charlatans in our pulpits tickling the, our ears with niceties. Be aware, says God. Be aware, says Christ. Take heed to yourself. Gird up your loins. These are the injunctions of the scripture. Because God knows the seriousness of our situation here in Emmanuel in 2019. It is more dangerous today than it ever was, even in Jeremiah's time. So if his ministry was characterized by urgency then surely our ministry should be characterized by urgency as well. Now notice there are two men in our story. Two pictures described for us here. The first one, as a partridge that broods but does not hatch. So is he who gets riches but not by right. It will leave him in the midst of his days and at his end he will be a fool. Now if we read that uh, in the NIV, perhaps we will see a little bit more, have a little bit more understanding of it. This is what he says, like a partridge that hatches eggs it did not lay, are those who gain riches by unjust means. When their lives are half gone, their riches will desert them, and in the end they will prove to be fools. So the picture that we have is of a partridge who sees herself as a temporary mother gathering up the eggs of other hens and considering them her own. Now as they grow, because there is no attachment, because there is no relationship, because there is no bond, one by one they will desert her, leaving her bereft of the riches of her young, leaving her lonely, and without hope. You know, and what should have been an exciting life, bringing up her brood, would have been, what would have been a fruitful part of her experience, is now in rags, is now dead, is now empty, is now confused. You know, the Bible says, at, at his end, he will be a fool. So many Christians are living off the experience of others they are hatching eggs that aren't their own people who say that I belong to this group I belong to this church I believe this or we believe this and we believe that and yet you know that they haven't taken time to cultivate their own experience with God they are living off other people's experiences living off other people's messages and rather than cultivating their own experience with God not getting into the scriptures themselves to know the truths that, you know, that cause people to grow and to become fruitful in their walk with God but rather depending upon the fruitfulness of others the faithfulness of others, cashing in on the experiences of others and living their Christian life through the Christian life of others. You know, and that's, uh, you know, that's a sad state of affairs. You know, when I was, I was talking to um, a man on Friday, a man who comes here on Friday, we talked about 
churches that involve get the people in the churches you know and I, we talked I talked to this fella and I said my goal for Emmanuel is 100% participation because I think it's important that none of us are spectators none of us come just to be spoon fed uh, in any way None of us come to because other people are. We can hear other people praying. We can hear other people worshiping. We can hear other people testifying. We can hear other people preaching. You know, we as individuals need to get involved with God for ourselves, not taking eggs that we haven't uh, brought forth unhatched. You know, these are. These, this is the the way that this word picture is speaking to me. People who look as if they are moving on with God because they are a part of something. They look as if they are growing in God and in His righteousness and yet are bereft of any experience of the Lord as those who have never known Him. You see this this is an extremely privileged walk with God that He has given to us. It's, it's imp- it's, I can't express so much how privileged we are this morning to be in Christ Jesus. You know, what He has done to make it happen is absolutely incredible. He has sent His only begotten Son to hang upon a cross, to deal with our sins. Here we are in grace. It's come to us. It's been given to us. But you see, the walk that we have, it costs It's not an easy walk. It takes guts and tenacity. There's a sacrifice involved in walking with God. It's not just coming in and plonking down and letting it all wash over you and then going out. We have to cultivate a relationship with God. Cultivate our experience with God. You know, there's a sacrifice involved. You know, the, the term sacrifice of praise. You know, isn't just a great opening remark for the worship leader to get us in, uh, in the mood let's give him a sacrifice of praise let's all get in the mood yeah. that's not what it's about it is a sacrifice a sacrifice of praise you know and sometimes it takes a big sacrifice for us to get to that place of worship you know we have to battle through our circumstances you know, we heard on Thursday night about disappointments as they come. You know, and we will be disappointed. We will dis- be disappointed in ourselves, in our, uh, in our adherence to the things of God. We'll be disappointed with our circumstances, with our health. We can be disappointed with others. There's so many ways that we can be disappointed. And that's what Janice was talking about. It's not always easy to get up there. And worship God for all our worth. And John has said, sometimes we don't feel like it. And you and yet that's the time when we really should get to grips with God. You know, and um, it's not always easy. And the non-committed are so easily thrown off course. Because the battle gets very hot sometimes. The battle gets very uncomfortable sometimes and the temptation to succumb and take it easy and go with the flow can be very strong and if you haven't got a deep experience of God of your own then it's so easy 
to jettison God and just sort of go with the flow and, and go someone else. You know, Jesus talks of the seed that, had, that was in the, the stony ground. It grew up and it looked like if it was going somewhere. But there was no root. You know, and this is what we're talking about. There's no root. So there's no life going into that person. So very soon the sun comes out and it dries up and withers away. The Lord talks about the th- seed that come amongst the thorns. And it grew up. And it looked like if it was going somewhere. But the thorns came. You know, the, the problems of life came. Things got on top of them. And because there was no air to breathe, they died. They were strangled. And little growth occurred. That's the man who is like a partridge, who trades on other people's experience and finds himself bereft of anything of God. But the contrast couldn't be greater. In verse 12, a glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel All who forsake you shall be ashamed. And now the man of faith emerges as one who sees beyond the trappings of this life. The one who sees beyond the hardships of this life. The one who sees beyond the problems of this life, of this Christian life. And looks not so much at the temple. He looks further than that. He looks higher than that. He looks to the heavenly throne room of God. He sees the majesty of God. He sees the glory of God. He sees the sovereignty of God. And he sees the grace of God. You see, he's not looking for men to enhance his relationship. And yes, I'm not saying that fellowship isn't a, a wonderful thing. And to your people testifying, isn't a faith-building thing. Of course it is. But if that is your experience, then you've lost out. But this man, in seeing Christ as the one who sits upon the throne, in seeing His grace, in seeing His mercy, then he becomes someone who is so strong in faith. You know, such a man would know That it's only by grace that he is allowed to sit in the presence of God. Only by grace that he can enjoy a relationship with someone who is so lofty and so exalted. Here is a man who knows that his sin should bar the way to such a bond, to such a righteous, holy God. But God, as we saw last time, has dealt with his sin. And it's the blood of Christ that becomes so precious to us. You see, it's the precious blood of Christ, but it becomes precious to us. Because that's what has dealt with our sins. That's our um, the, the foundation stone upon which we build our whole lives. Not on others. Not on our own endeavors. But by the blood of the Lamb. There's love there in this throne. There's gratitude there. There's worship there. There's understanding there. You want the more he dwells in the shadow of such a vision as the high throne, the more he grows in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. Listen to this hymn. Yeah, we sing it regularly. When I look into your holiness, 
when I gaze into your loveliness, when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you, when I found the joy of reaching your heart, when my will becomes enthralled in your love, when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you, I worship you. The reason I live is to worship you. Can you see what has happened? The, the concentration of the throne, this high throne, this sanctuary of God, this person of Christ, this Holy Spirit who comes and indwells us, makes everything else pale into insignificance. Nothing else matters. You know what? We have problems. Of course we do. There are circumstances. Of course there are. There are disappointments. We know that. But when we know Jesus as intimately as this man does, when we see through all those things into this amazing vision that, uh, that Jeremiah is portraying you, this glorious high throne which has become our sanctuary, then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You know, and this knowledge of grace of God this adherence to his will is our only hope and is the only way of fruitfulness and peace you know are we taken up uh, as we are taken up sorry into Christ and all the cares of this world f- will fall away when li- as life becomes a relationship with the eternal and the attending blessings of joy and peace And satisfaction will become ours. And as I said, the things of the world, however pressing they are, however difficult they are, and I'm not belittling any of those things, but they will grow strangely dim. Paul says in Colossians, "If If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds... On the things above. Not on the things of the earth. For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is our life appears. Then you also will appear with him in glory. Look at your destiny. Look at your destiny. It is to appear with him in glory. Yes we've got problems. Yes, we wake up in the morning and think, what's going to hurt today when I put my feet out onto the, onto the carpet? What part of my legs are going to hurt today? You know, and we've all got different sorts of problems that we've got to go through. You know, this, that and the other. But think of your destiny. And that is to appear with Him in glory. You know, what a contrast between these two people. The one who traded on other people's experiences became a fool. But the one who cultivated his own experience with God, who saw him as his sanctuary, becomes the one who will appear with him in glory. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. You know, the man who forsakes the Lord, finds no satisfaction, finds no joy, 
finds his mind focused on the troubles of this old earth. Bemoans his situation, which he sees no end of. But the man who makes Christ the center of his attraction, it's so different. Because now we've got the fountain of living waters. This is within his grasp. The abundance of God is his to enjoy forevermore. So, be careful where you put your hearts. Be careful to whom you give allegiance. Be careful where you focus your eyes. You know, it makes the biggest difference. You know, I was reading his quote from um, a man by the name of Tom Reese. Never you don't know who he is. But he was speaking on a theme. And this was his theme. How to be a Christian failure. Not as theme that I've... Uh, but one fr- phrase from that talk shows how careful we have to be. And this is what he said. If you want to be a Christian failure, go out from this meeting absolutely 99% dedicated to Jesus Christ and you will be guaranteed to be one. You might read that again for it to drop into your minds. If you want to be a Christian failure, go out from this meeting absolutely 99% dedicated to Jesus Christ and you will be guaranteed to be one. You see A failure, a Christian failure, starts with a turn of just 1%. And you are on your way. You know, whereas the man of worship says, the only thing I'm concerned about is that glorious throne where I can kneel down and lay there all the things that I glory in 100% lock stock and barrel the question is which of these men will describe you for his name's sake Amen